Hey, everyone, and welcome to IBM Think Leaders podcast. Today, we're talking all about NLP. Really excited to be having a conversation with Phil Anderson. Phil is the Senior Offering Manager at Watson Discovery Service. We had a great conversation, really kind of talking about the the future of NLP. We dug into what some of Watson Discovery is and what, what it does. And really, I think the larger question was, how can we tap into the value of human communication? Just this idea of how NLP could be assisting us and augmenting our human intelligence. Thank you for listening. Hey, everyone, and welcome to IBM Think Leaders podcast. We really appreciate you joining us today. We're having a conversation all about NLP and really the future of uh, voice and NLP. Really excited today to have a conversation with the Senior Offering Manager at Watson Discovery Service, Phil Anderson. So, Phil, welcome to our podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I think to kind of give us some context and start us off for the discussion, could you tell us a little bit about your role at Watson Discovery Service? So I'm the lead offering manager, which is what IBM refers to as product managers. What I do is lead a team of other offering managers to uh, figure out what we should build by talking to our customers and working with the engineering team to lay out a roadmap. I've been with Discovery since I joined IBM. So we launched Discovery in late 2016, and it's been a market ever since. And what are some of the the changes that you've seen since you you joined up in, in 2016? I think it helps to give a little bit of background on why we built Discovery. So um, I actually came from a background in enterprise search. Even long ago, worked for uh, Vivisimo, which was an acquisition of IBM. And for a while, it seemed like basically the field of enterprise search was pretty much solved. So you could search for your documents, your enterprise, and you'd find them and you'd click them. And that was, that was kind of it. A little before I joined IBM around 2015, some people started seeing that, you know, with these new AI technologies that are coming out of IBM research, uh, we might be able to do a level better than what we did with traditional enterprise search. So what if we could actually find the answer within a document? And what if we could understand human language, natural language better to get those insights in a, in a more natural way? And so that's kind of where our discovery evolved. The very first version of discovery that we launched with was pretty basic, but still pretty impactful. And in those three years, we've been able to bring in a significant amount of kind of game-changing AI to not only understand specific important parts of documents, but also be able to retrieve answers from these complicated business documents. Why would you say that's that's so important if you're talking about maybe gleaning the information from, from some of these documents? I know a lot of times in this podcast, we've talked about the issue of all this unstructured data that's just kind of floating around and how really there's a lot that we're not always capturing. Most of us are used to using Google. We search for something, we get a little snippet. And if you think about the average document size that Google's dealing with, it's you know, maybe three or four pages. Even a large Wikipedia article is probably no more than 10 or 12 pages. But when you go to the business documents, they're going to be way different, right? Think of an aircraft manual. Think of a large product mm-hmm. manual. Think of an HR policy or a contract. These are large, complicated documents. And so even if I get you to the right document and say, hey, this is exactly the document that contains your answer, you're still going to spend another 20 minutes doing control F, control F, control F, trying to find <laughs> the answer inside that document. So you might save somebody like five minutes on search, but if they're spending another 20 minutes finding the answers inside the document, they haven't really gained anything. So that's really where the value of a technology like Discovery comes in. So if we can kind of save you a click and get you that answer from the context inside your, your document and have an yeah. understanding of your business-specific data, you're going to be way more productive in the enterprise. And, and what would you say for a lot of those enterprises, what would you say some of their low-hanging fruit is right now of, of areas where they could probably you know, gain the most significant insight that they're not gaining right now? You can really get started easily with an, another Watson product, Watson Assistant, which is kind of what I think a lot of people think of when they think of NLP. 
So what Watson Assistant does is it understands the intent of a question someone's asking, and then you can return an answer to them. So what we typically see customers saying is, right, let's take that first 40% of the questions people might be asking. We'll put Assistant there. We're going to solve those, kind of what we call short tail. And then what we see them doing is expanding with discovery because they realize, you know what? People ask everything. You know, so there's some really common questions like, how do I reset my password? And you know, how do I cancel my account? But then, you know, you never anticipate that someone says, hey, I'm traveling to Lagos next week and I want to make sure my credit card doesn't change interest rates or something like that, right? <laughs> and that answer lives in a knowledge base somewhere, but you'd never be able to program a million intents with Assistant with that. So you put Discovery on back of it and that's a good way to really use your existing content you already have uh, in terms of knowledge bases or other articles. And that's a great way for companies to get started. I've even seen companies starting with that, putting an assistant in front of Discovery to return mm. answers from those documents. And okay. then they can continue to add intents after that. mentioned NLP. NLP is obviously a, a term that seems to be gaining in, in currency and it's thrown around a lot lately. But I wonder if there's also some misunderstanding around it. So so if I kind of pose that to you, Phil, I mean, what's just your general definition of NLP? And potentially, where do you see some some misunderstanding with when we used to be able to talk to computers, the only way you could talk to them is through programming languages. So you'd write some basic or some Java or some Pascal, and that was the only thing I could understand. With the rise of NLP, we're now able to start understanding human language to some degree, right? So where the old enterprise search world, you'd have to do a structured search query to find a document and we use keyword search to find keywords. You can now ask a question, right? So we have customers even integrating with tools like Alexa or, or Google mm-hmm. Home. And asking a question like, you know, where can I find X and Y? That's a natural language question. And where natural language processing is, is it understands not just the words that are in there, but also the intents and also things like the sentiment and the emotion mm-hmm. and all the things around that that are too nuanced traditionally for computers to understand. And so when I talk of NLP, I really think of how do you take those technologies of communicating human language and understanding a real business need you can use to serve your customer. How is a lot of that done? So, for, for example, if you were trying to kind of understand and analyze my voice and, and, and maybe some of my emotion behind that, what are some of the telltale signs about voice that can be kind of gleaned? First of all, it's language dependent, right? So mm-hmm. every language, there's going to be slightly different rules. And this is one of the challenges that IBM actually probably excels at uh, above some of our competitors is we really have wide language support for you know everything from Japanese, Arabic, uh, English. You know, but let's take English, for example. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is you really have to understand like the rules of English, right? And so when somebody says something, you have to understand what's the noun, what's the phrase, how do these things relate together? You know, What word is about this other word? And then there's other little clues to like the sentiment in terms of like, did he say something positive? Did he see something negative? Mm. And then there's another level of it. I heard his voice go up at the end. So that's a positive tone and things like that. So there's a lot of aspects that go into it. And depending on your use case, there could be any one of a, you know, a thousand technologies we have that could try to parse that out. Um, but that's just a piece of it. Where do you think some of the challenges or hurdles still are? Like, where would you like to uh, you know, see us be five years from now? I think where we've made a lot of advances is in not only the extraction of, of the data, which is one of the first pieces, but also some of the nuances you get in terms of how people speak. And so we're really making a lot of developments there. But I think that what a lot of our customers still want to see is something that's completely out of the box understanding, right? So when you ask the average person on the street, like, how do we expect NLP to work? How do we expect Watson to work for us? They would expect it like this conversation. You could just walk up to it. 
and it would have all kinds of knowledge and answers and understand everything you'd say. But if you think about it, um, I personally had 40 years of ground truth to train <laughs> this conversation today, right? Yeah. And adding even like two weeks of training to get something up there is actually is pretty impressive when you think about it. But I think that's really where the area I'd like to see the most um, advancement in is kind of pre-built understanding of more of our domains and more of our customers' uh, knowledge because that's less time they would have to spend customizing. When you mentioned that and really understanding the kind of the context and how you've had your own time to understand how people work and the inflection of the voice and, and reading them really reminded me of some of the work that IBM Research had, had done with Project Debater. Curious to learn more from you about, in general, that project, but its relationship with Watson Discovery. I'm not deeply involved with the Project Debater or, or its inception. However, we do work closely with the research lab that did develop it. So the way we build our technologies is we have tight tyings with research labs all around the world. So they're in Israel, they're in Zurich, they're in Tokyo, uh, India, you, you name it. And we're constantly kind of challenging these teams with real business problems. And the smart researchers there will then take on those challenges and, and they'll build different pieces of technology to see how they can attack them. So where Debater evolved from um, is essentially this idea that, you know, when we're trying to s summarize and understand business decisions, we want to do that in an evidential way. So uh, you don't want opinion. You want to be able to use evidence that you've come out from there. So my understanding with Debater is that was really the challenge they took on was, you know, how can we make a coherent argument to make a business decision using data that we've been able to use underneath so where it comes to discovery is, you know, they built a really awesome project debater where you can argue with a real professional debater. And if you haven't seen the videos, definitely worth checking out. <laughs> but where we came with discovery is how can we start productizing that technology for our customers? So there's kind of three key pieces we've brought out of debater or, or we'll be bringing out debater this year. First one is really this idea around advanced sentiment analysis. Sentiment analysis has been probably one of the more basic forms of NLP that's been around for a lot of years. And what that means is you look at a sentence and you say things like, I don't like the weather today. And so mm -hmm. words like don't like imply it's a negative uh, sentiment. It's really basic. But the challenge is the nuances in, in human languages. They use all kinds of idioms like that hardly helps or they say something sarcastic or something like that, right? And so those different things we've been able to bring in from debater to really get a much more um, nuanced version of sentiment analysis. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be able to provide much better APIs for our customers to be able to understand, you know, when they're processing some sort of customer data, you know, is it really positive? Is it really negative? And getting less false positives there. Yeah, Phil, when you mention uh, kind of this this idea of a project debater and understanding the the nuanced speech, it really reminds me of my own kind of experience when I talk to somebody from another country. So for example, I'm an American. When I'm talking to somebody from Australia, I start noticing my own speech patterns and the words that I choose to use and maybe how they are very strictly American and that they're not going to transcend over to Australia. I'm curious from your standpoint, how you go about dealing with that type of challenge. Typically, what you're, you need to do is actually customize the NLP for your locale. So you can't use the exact same model for Australia, US, and Canada because the same words words actually mean completely different things in those languages a lot of times, right? Like a boot or a bonnet mm -hmm. means something different in the UK than the US. It is really about kind of understanding where people are coming from. If you could do a really good job with language detection to understand not just the language they're speaking, but also the locale or the dialect they're coming from. We do specify the difference between these different types of uh, different flavors of languages and things like that. Phil, if we're, if we're looking at 
why this is important. What are some ways that you would connect NLP with this whole movement of AI for good? Why do you think this is impactful for society? Now, during the coronavirus crisis, this is one of the things that's top of mind, right? How can we do AI for good? Mm -hmm. As soon as actually this crisis was breaking out, we have a whole team of people that have split off on actually various projects around IBM in terms of applying our technologies for the common good. So one example of that is you might have seen our CEO, Gina Rometty, talking on CNN the other day about a project the Weather Channel just launched. And this was actually partially developed by our team using Watson Technologies to be able to provide citizens with really local data about the COVID uh, in their area, right? So mm-hmm. there were maps like Johns Hopkins that were saying, hey, look, here's all the cases in New York. But you know, New York's a big state, right? What's happening in Westchester County? What's happening in, in Yorktown? So we were able to provide that. And in, in I think it was around like three days our team was able to develop it using our technologies. And that's just one example of how we're applying AI for good. We're also launching Watson Assistant for Citizens that local governments can use to help answer questions specific to their region, right? So very quickly, they're getting flooded by tons and tons of customer questions because they're concerned, right? Like imagine, you know, you're sitting on hold worried about how do I get COVID testing and things like that. If you can get an answer right away from an assistant using our NLP technologies, that really helps the common good. And even before this, we were doing a lot of things in that area. So uh, Watson's been involved with a project called Stop the Traffic around human trafficking and using Mm -hmm. uh, NLP data to process that. These really come in or just think about the ways that you can more quickly serve citizens and really understand their needs, what they're doing at a a large scale that was not possible in the past. So just generally, what what kind of drew you into AI and and then NLP? I'm an entrepreneur uh, by nature, so I've done a, a lot of random things. <laughs> I uh, specifically, for whatever reason, started getting involved in search probably 15 years ago. I always see AI as more of a like a tool. This is a new way of solving problems that were unsolvable in the past. I wasn't so much drawn into AI as an industry as much as AI has been the absolute best tool we can use for the challenge I see of really getting answers from from documents. More specifically with that, what what are some of those answers that you would... Uh, you know, personally, I'd like to, to see in the next couple of years. The, the most interest from customers that we're still not quite there yet, but I think we're going to get close, is around getting answers from tables and from charts. So if you think about unstructured documents, in some ways, words are easy, right? But think how much data lives inside the tables, the figures, or a graph, right? Imagine a, a graph saying, like, here's the inflection point of disease or something like that. Mm-hmm. We actually are starting to build these technologies now where we can extract the right table from a document. But what about the right answer? Or what about the uh, data point that's in that chart? I think that's really the, the next level I'd like to see because you're going to get kind of the last hiding insights that live in these documents. And probably one other one I'd have is really more stuff around the relations between documents. If you have an inside one document, there's an inside another document. Being able to use Watson to infer the connection between those, so you get a new kind of derived insight. So an insight that maybe wasn't already in the document, but you've derived from multiple sources. I think these are the two things that are probably the most exciting to me. Terrific. All right. So Phil, uh, thank you for coming on IBM Think Leaders podcast. Sure. Thanks for having me. Hey, we really appreciate you listening to this podcast and uh, we wouldn't mind you liking and sharing and subscribing. Share it with a friend and, and tell them all about it. We appreciate it. Thank you.